Hello and welcome to The Sharpening Report. We have a very special episode for you today. If you remember, quite some time back, uh, I interviewed a gentleman who had a very intense near-death experience where he was actually allowed to see what hell is really like. Now, at the time before this experience, he was an atheist, but after he survived, he became a Christian. And since that interview, I've invited him to be a host for Daily Renegade, and he has been working with us ever since. Brian Melvin hosts the amazingly in-depth yet easy-to-understand Bible study show, The Christian Marauder, and also an interview special called Marauder Intel, where he in, invites people like Derek Gilbert, L.A. Marzulli, and even uh, sometimes one of our other hosts, Gary Wayne, to discuss the stranger aspects of the Bible not commonly talked about in most churches. Brian has a skill in finding mathematical patterns throughout the scripture, which is what we'll be talking about in the first half of today's program. In the second half, we'll be discussing a darker subject, that of the rampant pedophilia and child sex trafficking uh, epidemic hitting our country and the world. Brian actually has a professional background in working with these highly disturbed individuals, and the insights that he has acquired and will share with us must be kept for the members-only section because YouTube would delete it right away. So this is also one of the rare times where I will say the second half of this program is probably not going to be appropriate for very young children, but it is definitely needed for parents so we can all be aware of the dangers out there. Uh, if you want access to the whole program and everything we do, including my shows and Brian's shows, head on over to dailyrenegade.com right now and get a membership. So without further ado, we welcome back to the show, Brian Melvin. Brian, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. It's it's a beautiful day here in Colorado. Cold, though. Hope my furnace doesn't come on because this is a green screen and this is my basement studio. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is my basement studio as well. And I oh, totally, yeah. yeah, I totally understand problems with heaters just kicking on. I, I have a manual one here because the automatic, it makes noise and stuff. So I uh, totally get that. For those who may have missed uh, the first time that you were on, can you give us a brief background into how you became a Christian and what kind of ministry work that you're involved in today? Yeah, just real quickly here, make it as brief as I can, without going over here too much. I, I you know, I grew up in south part of uh, near about ten miles south of Washington D.C. And my grandparents had a farm. <clears throat> Both of them, one on my dad's side had one in Winchester, the other in Southwest Virginia. And so I spent my summers on my grandparents' farm to get out of the insanity here. So I lived in a very crazy time and that, and my parents were Christians. They took me to church, but that didn't make me a Christian. I fell away from all that, bounced into agnosticism and bloomed into full-blown atheism. Then I moved to Tucson to get out of the area for some, some reasons, I won't say, but I got out of Dodge, so to speak. And then I uh, went to Tucson, Arizona, where I drank some bad water. And that's where I had my after-death experience. And that is what led me to the Lord because I know I did not uh, at all deserve to come back and it changed my life radically. And so I've been following Jesus ever since. And so that's how I got saved. You know, I just, when I came back to on this planet, planet here, I sat in a beanbag chair and said, Lord, take me, I'm yours. You know, that was my salvation prayer and I'm in it. And I, I got born again just with that simple prayer. And he took me on a journey and I ended up in um, Fort Collins, Colorado. And ended up going to school here, got a degree in social work, so forth, et cetera. And mostly my ministry started way long time ago because I, uh, the pastor of a church, you know, took me under his wing. I became a head intercessor, and then we began church planting projects. So I was involved in church planting without even knowing what I was doing. 
I was involved in music, uh, guitar playing. I was in the band. I was in also sound. I ran the soundboard stuff. But we started some church planting opportunities. And then from there, I started, you know, through that church, we studied Greek, Hebrew, so forth, et cetera. I won't get into all the details, but that's how I started. And then by 1988, I was at a friend's, me and my wife were at a friend's house. We just got married. And so a friend came over, another friend that was visiting says, you know what? You know, I was praying and you would be great in, in a jail ministry. I said, okay. And so I, next thing I knew, I took over a jail ministry or prison ministry uh, for 10 years from 1988 to 1998. So I worked in there a lot and I went to school. <clears throat> Plus I worked in the um, my practicum and stuff was with law enforcement and so forth, et cetera. So from there, you know, I, I got hired in the jail. And then from there, I got out of the jail from some, you know, the politics going on, not because of the line staff or, but are the inmates. It was the officers. <laughs> I wouldn't say anymore out of respect. There are some good ones, but mostly some, I don't know how they, they how they're there, but just to put it mildly. And so, uh, so I got out of there and went into another organization, a private organization, where I started working with sex offenders. So in the meantime, while all doing all that, I was getting involved in First Nations ministry at the same time. So primarily my focus now was from about 2009 to this last year here, current, is going up to the Cheyenne River Reservation. I started going up there in 2011, 2009 and 10 was in the Southwest. And I when met a group of people. We church planted. We trained. Uh, we supported, and through an organization, we got some Native folks trained and ordained. And we trained them. We let our goal was let our hands off, let the Holy Spirit have it, and they're going. They're going full blast. It's like waves of revival up there. They survived this lockdown pandemic stuff, and they're doing great. Oh wow! Well, praise God. That's amazing. Um, I want to I want to ask you about jubilees. Um, I, I want to ask you what what exactly are jubilees and where do they show up in Scripture? But also um, your your expertise in being able to find these mathematical patterns in, in Scripture uh, has that some has that been something that you've always been able to do? Is it kind of a new thing or is it something that just sprung up? How, how did that start and then go from there to uh, what jubilees okay. are and how they show up in Scripture? Well, 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 I like to blame Chuck Missler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I was always fascinated when I grew up, you know, it's the 1990s, especially when he started showing up on Koinonia House on TV. I was able to watch it and I was just mesmerized by his, what he was doing. And so all through the early 90s, late, actually 1980s, we had videos of them. But but when I started watching on TV, he started talking about, you need to pay attention to Bible names and what they mean. I said, okay, so... I started doing what he did everywhere I found a Bible name, and that's pretty much how I started looking at numbers, because then he started explaining numbers, that numbers have meaning, and he did the bulletproof method. And so I said, where did he find these definitions? And so I just curiosity, Josh, was just curiosity. I look back, I think God was leading me that direction, and I had to really work at it because there was so much uh, minutiae out there on Bible numbers and what they mean, and I found out, well, a lot of what's passed off as Bible number meanings come from the, the Kabbalah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it came from Chaldean numerology, which I, and then I, uh, which I studied extensively too. And so, and then I went to, and then I found some 
websites that had consistent meanings. And then, I, and then they all said the same thing. We look at the themes. We see where the numbers are in the Bible, what they mean, like the number 12, 1,290, which is Daniel chapter 12. Right. And that's a year. And so that's the only time it's used in the Bible. So it's in reference to the Antichrist and the abomination of desolations. So that's the root na- number. The others talk about uh, slaying of martyrs and um, and those that kill believers will be punished. And so that lines up with that theme. And so I started to go, oh, that's how they did it. They look at the Bible themes. And that's how I started doing this. It was, it was a lot of digging, a lot of research. And then I started saying, well, you know, uh, the ancient numbers were written in pictograph form, and so they have a pictograph meaning. And I figured, well, you apply the pictograph meaning, and all of a sudden it exploded. It just, just like, it's just like, wow! I started seeing, the, I started seeing the patterns and the number meanings. And I have, a, I was preparing to write a book, but I never will probably publish it because you know I have to quote some people, and I asked if I could quote them, and. They said, oh, you can use my stuff for free. I go, no, I need a written statement. <laughs> I need a written statement from you saying I can use this and, and, and give you full credit and, and work something out with you. But he wouldn't do it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so I have to go back and rechange like 3,000 meanings of number, you know, the first 3,000 numbers and have to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go through I'd- all that. It's just I, I totally understand that. I, I'm an author myself, and I've come across uh, that exact problem uh, more than a few times. And the same thing with documentary films, too. Uh, sometimes mm. it can be hard to be able to you know, know, know exactly how uh, to quote people. And actually, doing a show like this really helps with that, because once somebody, like, like th- this person that you're talking about, if you can get him on your show and get him to agree to an interview, whatever he tells you in public like for the interview, you can just quote him in, in that, because it's already out in the public. Uh, so with something mm. like like that you wouldn't need uh because his consent would be the the interview that he's consenting to but so that that's been kind of one way i've sort of been able to get around it and, but i i thought that this was really interesting too because it, it seems like god has um because lately you've been talking a lot about you know numbers and jubilees and stuff in, in your work and then uh, at the same time uh it, it's almost like it's a convergence or something that god in my life has been bringing me into uh, a lot of number stuff that i didn't i didn't really get into until recently studying the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Essenes and the ancient Dead Sea Scroll calendar, which I should mention, uh, we actually now have a print version of this. I'll talk a little bit more about this after uh, the first half of the program, but Dr. Ken Johnson and I uh, produced a, a print version of the Dead Sea Scroll calendar. Uh, I'll talk about that in a little bit, but basically people can look up uh, what, what what the feast days are on the Dead Sea Scroll calendar that the Essenes would have been used. It's been pieced together through books like, uh, you know, Jubilees and Enoch and stuff like that. But uh, mm-hmm. And I'll say real quick, if people want to check that out, they can get one uh, at the link below. Uh, but but this topic of Jubilees kept coming up in my research as well. And then that's how, that's what led to this interview because, you know, you and I were talking back and forth about it. You had said something in one of your shows uh, that I was helping you out with um, editing or something or uploading it. And I was watching it and I was like, wow, God, God is bringing him like some of the same conclusions through a different uh, avenue of research. And it, it was amazing to me because it was just confirmation. So let's mm-hmm. talk about Jubilees. So first, what are Jubilees and where do they show up in Scripture? Well, they come up in Leviticus chapter 25. And let's see. Uh, well, it's hard to explain in, in five easy words or less, but I'll just go go for it. Sure. Jubilee 
is a, it consists of Shemitah years, which are seven-year cycles. And you have seven times seven, which is equals 49. So you have every, every six year, you're re, at the end of six years, you're required to gather up enough food for the next year. And you're to let the land rest. That's every seven year. That's a Shemitah. And you're supposed to let the ran, land rest and revive. It's sort of like ancient uh, Mesopotamians, they, they rotated their crops every four years. So it's sort of like that. But this was this, every six years, you let the land totally rest. You, you leave it alone. You don't pick anything from it. But you are allowed to buy and sell during that period and you can if you're low on food you could actually buy outside the country and bring it in and I'll, I'll talk more about that later but the so that was the Shemitah year so the, after seven Shemitah years which was on the 49th year it uh, began what is known as the, the year of Jubilee which is the 50th year and it gets really confusing but it's really not that uh, idea but the Jubilee was the 50th year uh, and the the 49th year was called a sabbatical year where you give the land a rest. And then the Jubilee year would come, which would be a time of letting everybody who owned debts and, and slaves free. And I thought that was intriguing. And so, um, so according to the biblical regulations, this had a special impact on the ownership and management of the land in, in ancient Israel. And in the Jubilee year, like I said, they were to prisoners and, and, and uh, slaves were set free. Uh, the land was returned to its original owner. Everything was like reset in a good sense. Okay. And so, in essence, the purpose of the 49th and 50th year of Jubilees was to teach what mercy, grace, and goodness means and objectively rekindle faith in God into the next generations. That, in other words, he's going to miraculously have bumper crops you wouldn't believe if you abide in this thing. He's going to provide. And so they'll see an objective truth that God actually exists and cares for them. But he was also to teach them mercy, grace, and goodness. And then, you know, they would set people free. They'll see his character traits because um, we were actually designed to be image bearers of God, like you well know, and people on this uh, channel should know by now. We're to reflect God's character traits of mercy, goodness, grace, love, righteousness, kindness, you know, the fruits of the spirit, holiness, so forth, etc. But humanity fell, and now in this part of the law, God is trying to reteach humanity how to show mercy, grace, goodness, and rekindle faith in themselves. And so here he's showing, you need to be merciful. Let your let let the old landowners have their land back. Let the people be free. You know, he's trying to teach them through the law there. However, uh, this was the most violated law in the land. I mean, I'm telling you. The first violations came by a traditional uh, misuse of Leviticus chapter 25, verse 14, 14 which talks about buying and selling. And it's a buy, I call it the buy sell clause found in, in that verse. And it was like a loophole and they totally misused it. And then it morphed into only applying to the nation of Israel itself and not to those living outside of it, which would, according to the law would apply to those living outside of it. But <clears throat> they said, no, no, those out, outside of it, you know, we can make a buck so we can sell the food back in oppressive, oppressive prices, which is a violation of Leviticus 25, 14, cause it says don't oppress and you're buying and selling during that year. And so they ignored that. And so they brought this stuff in, and they were 
profiting off of it. And so, so they just ignored this rule, and then there was no mercy, grace shown, and no faith rekindled, and they justified it also, if you research it out. They had treaties with other nations to peace, and so a lot of the treaties involved giving mass amounts of food and as collateral for whatever, and to these nations. And so they said, well, this is, this is a hindrance. We need to produce more crops. So they violated the, uh, the, the, the Shemitah year. They started violating the Jubilee and the 49th year law. And in fact, Jesus illustrates this in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, when he said, woe to you scribes and Pharisee hypocrites, for you pay tithe and men anise and cumin, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the, of the law, justice and mercy, mercy and faith. faith. So justice, mercy, and faith was totally thrown out the window by these guys by this time, because by not adhering to the jubilee of, of actually justice, returning the land back to its original owner, setting captives free, letting the land rest, and learning that you can trust God. And, and so Jesus was kind of in a... In a rhetorical way was addressing that whole thing. And he says that, yo, woe you scribes and Pharisees in verse 25, uh, you are full of extortion and self-indulgence. And that's pretty much what drove the breaking of the Shemitah cycles in the 49th year and breaking the Sabbath rest of the 49th year. So we go to Leviticus chapter 25, verse eight. It says, you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years. That'll be the, to you 49 years. And then you'll blow a trumpet sound on the tenth month of the on the tenth month and on the tenth day of the seventh month. I get that. And so I saw these two numbers, like I said, that's probably what intrigued you. So the tenth refers to responsibility of keeping the law or I mean just how to live right before God and man. That's the idea of the Ten Commandments. So so the tenth day of the seventh month god wanted perfection and stuff and then you add those you get 17 all that has different meanings and this and you have a day of atonement and i number 17 men, means yeah it means victory overcoming the enemy and that's the, the general root meaning of that so in order to have victory overcome the enemy uh <clears throat> you remain responsible to god that's the Tenth day of the seventh month. Seventh is an important number, meaning God's perfection, but it also means it's a pictograph of a plow. It means to grow, plant, and war until you achieve at a state of, um, of basically God's original design, where you're whole and sound. That's the idea of it. You're whole and sound and made. Everything's healed up on the inside. The land's healed. Your relationships with one another are healed. And that's the idea of the Jubilee year. So even in those numbers, it helps explain what the Day of Atonement uh, for the, that particular Day of Atonement would mean for them and make atonement that they violated the law, they violated mercy and grace. It's time to get right here. Let's do this. Let's get back and rekindle our relationship with God. And then in, uh, I think, Leviticus 5, verse 6, it says, The Sabbath produce of the land shall be food for you, your male and female servants, your hired man, and your stranger who dwells with you for your livestock and beast or in the land shall be produced for food. And then verse 5 talks about don't harvest anything. And this is what confuses people 
But David Guzik points out in that verse, and I quote him here out of his Bible study commentary, anything of this nature that the land produces without human aid is of the property of all, and the people were to attain food wherever they could find it, just as Israel did in the wilderness wanderings. And so the idea is that you couldn't use the land and harvest it for profit. You just let it grow, then anybody can go out there who needed the food and just go get it. And a sort of a sense of justice and mercy being displayed there. And so during that, the uh, on the, um, the tenth day of the seventh month, which will be our July, they were allowed like for till like a two month period to collect food like that for the fiftieth year of Jubilee. I thought that was interesting. And so the 50th year of Jubilee was called the year release where the land, property, and property rights were returned to the original owners, slave set free. And um, But all of a sudden, this was thrown out the window with these guys, and it was barely, rarely, if ever, applied in the Second Temple period. But it was used in order to sanctify the 49th year instead. The 50th year was kind of ignored. And they never really did anything. And they just did it all to make profit. And after the temple's destruction, the people began a new practice to number each seventh year as a, a sabbatical year without necessarily adding the 50-year. They just threw that 50th year jubilee out. Wow. Um, so they basically maintained the law, but learning how to reflect God's mercy, grace, kindness, and goodness and rekindle their faith with God was simply not there <laughs> you know it's amazing it like, it, it's amazing i just want to jump in real quick uh but uh, you actually just gave me a piece to a, pu a puzzle that i've been trying to put together on how the pharisees handled uh the, the jubilee years and stuff and then how the essenes handled it because there's there's this debate is a jubilee is a jubilee 49 or is it 50 years and uh like you just said it actually it depends on which group you're talking about the pharisees ignored the 50 year uh, the 50th year altogether. So for them, in their stuff, it's like 49. But the Essenes, they broke off from the Sadducees and Pharisees because they wanted to do it God's way. You know, they actually wanted to follow the correct way of doing it. And when you look at uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, that, like the Book of Jubilees, for example, um, and I actually just did a video on this, and I, I wrote about it in a book that uh, is going to be coming out soon. But um, And Dr. Ken Johnson has shown this too. From, from the Essenes' perspective, they did their Jubilees with the 50th year to, to honor God. So it, I just wanted to jump in with that real quick. It's amazing that you bring that up. So we actually have uh, two different systems here. The the one that's kind of against God, which, you know, would be the Pharisees and Sadducees, and then the Essenes that are trying to follow God with the with the appropriate 50-year uh, Jubilee. It's amazing that you brought that up. Yeah, and yeah, there's that, that, there's that animosity and that strife there. But the whole idea was the remarkable rekindling of faith. In other words, to keep faith alive to successive generations at the 50th year was two years God was going to produce food in in the land. I just read that verse, verse 5 of Leviticus, and, and it would be enough to maintain them. Mm -hmm. And that would be a sign that God's real and a bumper crop. And people, uh, Jewish communities outside of Israel, who practices, I think, one in 50, 1952, they had a, they practiced this. And so for two years, they kept the, the older seeds and didn't know if they would grow, but they grew better than the other places who didn't practice this. They skipped it. Their seeds were ruined by some type of fungus. Wow. And then they, these people had a bumper crop and was able to provide the food for the others. 
and because um, they abide by the the principle there, and they uh, abide by letting debts go free, landowners have it all back. They actually applied it, and so there's a lot of different um, I call it test programs where they actually did this, and that happened. We're talking about the Jewish people alone in different parts of the world. And even in Israel, if they practice this, they get a bumper crop. And um, it's just amazing. And it's like God made it so simple. He's, just, he's trying to rekindle their faith and build faith in himself. Yeah. And, and not to be justified so much by the law, but the law was to teach us how to be responsible to each other, show mercy, kindness, goodness, truth, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. But sin nature re- reaches in there. There's also one other thing I think you like to touch on about the Jubilee. It's also, I learned this because when we, when I was doing the church planting thing, the first church plant we did was with a Messianic congregation. And so I was in the praise band and soundboard at that time. And so we were there getting it started. So I learned a, a lot about the feast and the festivals and all that. And so I also, we went through a long thing with rabbis and different teachers and stuff they would show you how the prophetic implications of the feast of trumpets so forth etc but the jubilees was always fascinating and i kept they never really said it but i kept thinking you know you know there's going to be a last jubilee Mm -hmm. where the landowners are going to get their land back and that's us and that comes in the book of revelation yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you because it's it's amazing how um you know the jubilees, Jewish feast days and all this how they're fulfilled in Jesus Christ but even prophetically. And in your show, The Christian Marauder, which again if people want to watch they can go to dailyrenegade.com and uh, you have all the episodes there, but you have an entire series on the whole book of Revelation. It's an absolutely phenomenal series. Uh and you just you just now are are getting to the last chapters in it. Um what what is the final fulfillment of what we've been talking about? Found in Revelation 21 and 22. How does all this culminate prophetically in Jesus Christ? Oh, not in five easy words or less. <laughs> <laughs> Take oh, as much boy. time as you need. <laughs> okay. Now, um, well, it culminates, uh, it's a lot there. It culminates with the second coming of Christ, and then it comes at the end of the second coming of Christ. When the Jew- So you have the 49th year in the millennial reign of Christ. You return back, the land returns back to Israel. They are gathered back there, and all the prophecies about Israel is fulfilled, and the wealth of the Gentiles come to the nation of Israel, and the healing of the nations occur through that. And then the Antichrist uh, is done away with, but Satan is released after a thousand-year reign, and he flips everything again, and it's kind of like a reversal. And But all of the saints of God at that time are protected in sanctuaries are in the city of Jerusalem. It says that in the book of Revelation, which I thought was amazing. And so you have the end of the 49th year coming, and then you got to rekindle people's faith. <laughs> you tracking with me now? Yeah. I hope yeah. you see it. And so, so after the 49th year is the 50th year, that's when the devil is thrown away in the lake of fire. All us who followed him are, and it's no more. And now the final land rest in the new heavens and earth, the land is returned to its owner, Jesus. We are called the bride of Christ, which doesn't, uh, people get freaked out. It's not exactly a bride. It's like a helpmate. We are going to help them manage the new heavens and earth, just like we were doing in before the fall. Right. And so, 
Well, then that is what we'll be doing. And everything is restored. We're, we're restored. The land is restored. The world is the Lord's and the fullness of it is restored back to him. And we are there to help govern it. How? By manifesting the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, hope. Everything that the law was trying to teach humanity and point to uh, is is fulfilled, basically. Man, that, that is so amazing. What, what's really great about this, too, in a, another way where uh, your research and my research is kind of converged with, without us uh, knowing right away, but something that I found uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls and just through studying the Essenes is that in the year 2025, we'll actually be starting the what, what the Essenes would say is the final jubilee of the age of grace so they had a uh, an understanding of all of human history split up into three and a half ages which is really interesting so uh, and each age is two thousand years apiece according to them and according to their calendar um, and they actually so they were writing this near the end of the age of torah that was their age and uh, that ended in 75 a.d according to them. But uh, they actually, looking forward, they said that our age would be the age of grace. You know, they, they weren't able to piece everything together. Uh, like Ephesians 3 tells us, there were some things that weren't known. There was still mystery there. Uh, for example, that the Gentiles would uh, gain the inheritance with the with uh, Jewish people as well, uh, that they would be uh, brought in into the promise as well. So there were things that, you know, the Essenes didn't know either, but they knew that this would somehow be an age of grace. And according to them, if we have the calendar right, according to them, uh, the, the final jubilee of our age of grace starts in 2025 and lasts till 2075. What, what I find really interesting is is the last jubilee of the age of Torah, um, which would have been the years uh, 25 AD to 75 AD. Uh, Jesus came really early in that jubilee. You know, he, he uh, mm-hmm. died in probably 32 AD, so just seven years after the start of that that last uh, jubilee. And then you had some time for the church to kind of spread and people to figure out what they're doing, and uh, until the temple's destroyed in 75 AD, and then finally the Council of Yavne in uh, 75 AD. The, the destruction of the temple was in 70 AD. Um, but yeah, Council of Yavne, which was the final nail in the coffin of the sacrificial system. But all that aside, uh, all of that happened in their final year. So it makes me wonder, you know, in our final Jubilee, are we going to see some prophecy start to get fulfilled early, early on, you know, and so year 2025 to maybe 2032, or, you know, I don't want to set dates because anything, you know, God can do anything he wants, but that kind of stuff I, I, I find so interesting. Is there anything that we haven't touched on uh, with, with Jubilees and prophecy or, or Jesus or, or anything that we haven't touched on yet that you want to cover? Uh, and if not, how can people find you online and what would you like most for people to take away from this interview. Okay. Um, just to, I just like how it, it prophetically points almost to a pattern. Like we're getting close, and it almost reminds me of the parable of the ten bridesmaids there, five foolish and five wise. And so in the 49th year, on the, in, in July there, the, the seventh uh, month on the tenth day, they're required to get things ready. So there's a call that goes out, and you hear uh, the bridegroom is coming. And so now it's, well, you got to get ready. <laughs> you got to have some faith. 
Yeah, there were five wise and five foolish, and then the five foolish went away to try to get their oil, and the other five had it. They went out, and they were they made it. They, I call it the rapture. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So it's kind of pointing to to that and that event before uh, it gets really bad. It seems like the Lord will get us out of here. Yes, because that's what the scripture seems to indicate pretty strongly. And I thought that was an interesting correlation in that. I'm still. That kind of leaned that direction pretty much because it just makes sense. And then you have the, you know, the Rosh Hashanah, the, the Jewish New Year, Feast of Trumpets, and you have the, what's it, the Day of Atonement at the end of, of September there. And it all kind of fits. It just all kind of fits when you look at all, all the feast days. I won't get into all that. but And then you have uh, the remarkable thing is the Lord is preparing us for the 50th year when the new heavens and earth come. And that's what was amazing. The 49th year is basically for the Jewish people. They get back and restored back in the land. They're almost wiped out. Their enemies are destroyed. They, they, everything is fulfilled that the Lord promised them. You know, their land has its sabbatical rest. And all of a sudden, uh, we have a new heavens and earth after that, after the devil's released and he does his thing. And then we come back, we enter into the final 50th jubilee and that probably will be never ending <laughs> yeah oh i love it yeah it's like in the book of enoch um there's this amazing prophecy of weeks it's called the apocalypse of weeks and after it go it splits up the seven thousand years of human history but this time into 10 weeks with each week being 700 years so each day is 100 years in in this particular <laughs> prophecy and it's really interesting because after the, the the after the last week it says after that there will be many weeks without with without number or, or number without end and uh, go it's just talking about the eternal state and it's amazing it's amazing because when we compare that with the book of revelation it, it it continues on and on and on and um and i love it too because you know we we tend to sometimes think that it's kind of this timeless state but in revelation it actually says there's going to be uh uh fruit bearing trees that that uh have a new fruit every month so there's still months there's still some level of time which is uh which i've, I've find phenomenal and it, it's such a cool thing to talk about where can people find you um online and uh, if they if they want to follow you or watch your show where can people do that okay well um you can reach me uh, my email is not my yeah my email to reach me or contact me would be bwmelvin number one at gmail.com my website which i'm trying to work on which i just haven't had time to get to it after several months but a lot of the content's been X'd off of there by, you know, uh, YouTube censors. But anyway, I'm going to get it back up, but it's still there. There are some videos on there worth watching. And um, you can get that's called AfterHoursMinistries.com. Just go to AfterHoursMinistry. It's all one word, A-F-T-E-R-M-I-N-I-S-T-R-I-E-S, AfterHoursMinistries.com. And if you want to follow me or whatever, you could just uh, – you can well just look for my YouTube channel too. It's uh, the Christian Marauder. That's I don't know the, the the HTP thing to it, but you know, but it's the Christian Marauder, and I do live streams usually on Saturday morning around eight a.m. So while the family's sleeping, I can come down in the basement and be as loud as I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't I have that problem, Josh. Do you? Oh no, not not with five kids. I, I just have no, all the spare time that. in the world. I <laughs> 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 yes, I know I know that well. And uh, yeah, a basement is a is a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's a godsend. Yeah, uh, and, and, 
and for those out there, we do mirror that show on uh, DailyRenegade.com and on this YouTube channel. Or wait, actually, this is Sharpening Report, so this is a separate YouTube channel. On our Daily Renegade channel, which is YouTube.com slash JPD Weekly. So people can check it out there. And uh, before we go to break, I do want to make mention, because I promised I would, that we now have Dr. Ken Johnson and I. If, uh, if those of you out there are familiar with Dr. Ken Johnson, he's been a guest on before. We're going to have him back on again to talk about this calendar. But um, he has a website called dsscalendar.org, and it's basically an online version of the Dead Sea Scroll calendar, which is a great resource. It's for free. Anybody can use it. But it does also mean that you have to – it's not an app. It's a website. So you have to pull out your phone every time you want to look at it and, and scroll around and look for things. So I reached out to Ken and I said, hey, what would you think about us uh, kind of like going into business together? But what, what would you say about producing a print calendar? Because I, I know how to do that. He already designed the calendar, so the hard work's done. I know how to get it into print and get it out to people. What, what do you say? And he was all for it. He was excited about it. So Ken and I worked together and produced the Ancient Dead Sea Scroll calendar in print form. And this is for this year. Uh, and it, it's it's absolutely beautifully uh, printed. There are eight different styles, eight different uh, versions of this calendar that people can get if they want to. But basically what you have is, I don't know if people can see that, but you have the Dead Sea Scroll uh, calendar on the top with all the feast days and everything. And then on the bottom, you have the normal, just American regular kind of calendar. Even, uh, even if you, if you get the square one, the square style, you even get like pictures for St. Patrick's day and the holidays and stuff like that. Uh, so that is for this year. It starts in March. So don't think, well, it's four months into the year by now. There's no point in getting one. The Dead Sea Scroll calendar starts in March. So it's a great time to pick one up. But as I said, we also have uh, several other options. We have three different poster versions, which are just, you know, they're just posters. Uh, we have three different versions of that. We have um, a desk calendar style. Uh, so, you know, th this is like if you if you have a family member or a friend or something that has a desk job or something, this is this is a great gift. Uh, and then we also have this little CD case version, which is, I thought this was a uh, pretty innovative and cool, but it just opens like a CD, but you can stand it on your desk like that. And then it's, uh, you just have cards. They, they come out as cards. There's, uh, the calendar on one side and then there's, uh, the American holidays on the, on the back side, and you just set it on your, on your desk or wherever like that. So if people want that, there is a link in the description below. And by the time this episode airs, we should have uh, the link right at dailyrenegade.com. So if you go to dailyrenegade.com right now, you should, if I'm timing this out right, you should see a graphic right on the page on the login screen. You don't have to be a member to take advantage of this, but uh, it'll, uh, we'll put it right on the login screen. DailyRenegade.com. You'll see a graphic there. You can click on that, pick your calendar, and uh, we'll we'll keep doing this every year. Or you can go to Dr. Ken Johnson's website, BibleFacts.org, or DSSCalendar.org, and you can see the same graphic there and get it there. Either way, it takes you to the same place, and uh, your purchase of a calendar goes both to help support Ken's ministry and Daily Renegade. So uh, if you already know that you love us both and you want a calendar, that's the place to go. Uh, okay, so we are going to take a break and we're going to pick this back up in the members only section. If you haven't had a chance yet, again, please go to dailyrenegade.com and get a membership today. If you get a monthly or yearly membership, you'll have full access uh, to my newest film, dealing with how Christians should look at the UFO disclosure movement that's been opening up more 
and more in our government today. It seems like every day now we're getting new uh, news headlines on how the government is admitting to more and more and more. Well, how are we as Christians to respond to that? And what is this connection between UFO disclosure events and major events in Israel's uh, history and geopolitics in the Middle East? Because things are heating up there too. And these two seemingly different things uh, converge somehow. So the film gets into all that. Um, and it, it, I'm in it. Derek Gilbert is in it. Uh, we have uh, Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis, uh, Steve Ciccolani, uh, Pastor Steve, if you guys uh, know him from, from YouTube and other various places. My wife, Christina, is in it. So it's a great lineup. It's also narrated by Zachary Lautitas. If you're familiar with that show, Prison Break, he was in that. He's been in a couple other movies and stuff since then. But he actually got me and Derek's book, The Day the Earth Stands Still, which is what this film is based on. Uh, he got a hold of that about a year ago, and uh, it, it really inspired him to reach out to me and Derek and then do some research uh, on his own. So we're going to be having him on the show sometime soon because he's got some amazing insights uh, especially just being connected with Hollywood and seeing what's going on there. This is a truly historic moment. It will be known as the Abraham Accord. Ever since the news broke of the peace agreement between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, many Christians have been wondering what it all means. Is it significant? Is it momentous and historic? Or could it even be prophetic? Most importantly, after this, what comes next? Everybody said this would be impossible. That film, What Comes Next, it is only available for paying members, but if you want a free trial, there are still some free things for you. Uh, most specifically, we have a free episode of The Sharpening Report right now with financial expert and Christian Terry Saka, right on the front page of DailyRenegade.com, which explains the financial crisis that we're in now and how we as Christians can safely protect our assets with an actual Christian company. This company is amazing. It's basically a ministry effort for us Christians, and it's done through precious metals. So you can go there uh, or just go to Cornerstone Assets in the link in the description below and request more uh, information. I have some silver myself, and I believe that every Christian should absolutely be doing this instead of trusting satanic organizations and doomed-to-fail currency options such as fiat and the banks and all, all of that with, you, with your resources uh, and what you leave behind for your family. At least with Cornerstone, you're um, working with Christians. You, you, know, you have to protect yourself, your family, your assets, and Cornerstone is the only only Christian company that I trust with something so important and vital. So check it out. Uh, more information at dailyrenegade.com. Go ahead and watch that episode of The Sharpening Report. It's free for everybody and get the information. All right. Uh, members, please hang on the line as we will move into the second half of uh, the program with Brian Melvin. And this uh, second half is going to be about his background in working with some of the most evil and depraved people in the world. You will not want to miss this because we need to know what the dangers are out there and how broken our system is. The truth is, uh, the system that 
we, we, we tend to try to control with our votes and stuff. You just can't, it can't protect us in the way that we would like to think. We don't have the security here in America. Our children don't have the security that we like to think that they have. And Brian has some very unique insights uh, being uh, with, with his background working within the system and knowing exactly what the pitfalls are, what the dangers are. And uh, I, in my opinion, every parent, every Christian, just everybody, you know, unless you're like five years old, is probably not going to be appropriate for a five-year-old. But everybody needs to watch the rest of this interview. So uh, again, I would love to offer it for free, but complain to YouTube because they will delete it and they will delete the entire channel if I even try something like that. So it's going to have to be at dailyrenegade.com, but you can get a trial if you can't afford a membership. Get a trial version for seven days and you'll have access to the rest of this episode and so much more. So if you're viewing for free, uh, thank you so much. And until next time, take care and God bless.